This is session five in our series entitled Trials. We're walking through the second half of the book of Acts. And we've been looking at moments in church history when Paul, Peter, and their various uh, partners and teammates um, endure trials for the sake of the gospel. And I don't know if over the last uh, few weeks you have been um, enduring more trials or you have been recognizing them. I pray you've been capturing the mind of Christ and his perspective on the things you're going through. I also hope we're able to differentiate between a trial because of our own, um, you know, our own stupidity um, versus one that's brought on through the work of Christ because of the work of Christ. And uh, there is a difference. Um, however, we realize that the Lord is present in all of our trials, regardless of how they come, re regardless of when they come. He is there. And um, we have, you know, we've looked at a, a a message that was entitled uh, Prison Break. Pastor Daryl shared about a time when God miraculously uh, you know, delivered Peter out of prison. Um, we had a, a message called Beat Down, and when Paul was literally stoned to death, um, they believed he was dead, left outside of town. The Lord healed him, resurrected him, or whatever happened, and he came back into town um, and continued to share the gospel, continued to move on to the next town, continued to uh, engage in this ministry that nearly cost him his life. Um, John Horger shared a, a message titled Mutilation, where the gospel was being mutilated. Um, this revelation that this gospel was for everybody, regardless of uh, religion or background or family history, and that was really boiled down to the truth of what Jesus did. Um, then we last week we talked, uh, shared a message called "Equipped to Be Whipped," and here we find Paul and his companions um, were. Um, beaten with rods. It said many stripes were laid upon them. They were put into prison in the stocks and uh, they began to worship. They began to sing, even in their bloodied state, beaten state, um, left literally just to deal with the pain on their own. And the Lord sent an earthquake. Again, another miraculous deliverance from prison. They didn't leave. The jailer um, came in assuming that all the prisoners had left and he, uh, you know, he was going to commit suicide because there was a death threat on his life if he lost these prisoners. And uh, so he was going to just commit suicide. And Paul said, wait, we're still here. And uh, the jailer could not believe what he heard, what he saw, and he gave his life to Christ. He and his whole family were baptized that night, took care of the wounds that Paul and his partners had um, received. Well, today we're going to be uh, looking at a message I've entitled, I Am Second. Um, there's a, a pretty popular video series you can find on YouTube with people, a lot of famous people will give their testimony with this phrase, I Am Second. And uh, we're going to kind of borrow that phrase uh, a little bit here because Paul seemed to have this mindset continually. Um, I Am Second for compared to the uh, gospel. I Am Second compared to the sake of other people discovering the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, 
There's several episodes from Acts 19 through 21 where we're going to read here as way of introduction to this message. Um, and I just want to point out that as we look at a few of these passages of Scripture, um, we find everyone else around Paul wants him to stop going, stop heading into this dangerous stuff, stop going into these scenarios that you risk your life over. They loved Paul. They wanted him safe. They didn't want him to continue on putting his life at risk. And yet we find Paul not looking out for his own safety, taking this mindset, I am second. Let's read a few. Um, at, the, it, at the end of Acts 8, 19, we find that there is this worship of the goddess Diana that's going on. And the Holy Spirit has moved in um, with these ministers of the gospel. And now the... Um, the work of this goddess Diana or the worship is being threatened. Um, and now there's an uproar about the way this gospel of Jesus has threatened this religion. There's an uproar in a theater and everyone's telling Paul, don't go to the theater. They've already arrested other people for the sake of the gospel. And Paul, in, in Acts 19 verse 30, it says, and when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him into the theater. Then some of the officials of Asia who were his friends sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Um, so we have people saying, Paul, don't go, don't go. It's not safe for you. Um, again, just a little further down in Acts 20, um, Paul is back in Ephesus and he's speaking to the elders of the church. And let's read what it says here. Acts 20, verse 22 through 27. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Paul speaking. I'm going to go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. He knew that he wasn't going to see them anymore because he knew that he would be dying for the sake of the gospel. Verse 26, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. See, he, he said, I, I do this for the sake of the gospel. I do not want to be guilty of man's blood. I don't want to be guilty of people not hearing about Jesus. Therefore, I will go and not consider my own life dear to me. And then in verse 36, in response to this, um, it says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, all the people that are hearing him. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that he that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. So we find here people were deeply sad and they cared about his life seemingly more than Paul did. Um, here, uh, moving on, uh, Acts 21, verses 3 and 4. Um, here we find Paul amongst uh, people and disciples at Tyre. And it says, when he had sighted Cyprus, he passed it on the left and sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre for there the ship was to unload her cargo and finding disciples he stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem because they didn't want for him to get hurt 
And so then a little bit further on, just a few verses later in verses 10, and here we find them landing in the land of uh, Ptolemais. It says this, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when he had heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. But Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we see saying the will of the Lord be done. So here we find several examples in these few chapters of everyone else around Paul caring about his safety and Paul seemingly to be fully abandoned to the cause of Christ and not regarding himself first. He had this I am second mindset. And so the question that we're going to answer throughout a few observations here from the scriptures is, um, why does a follower of Christ say I am second? Why would a follower of Christ say, I am second? It's so counterintuitive to um, our culture. It's so counterintuitive to our feelings. It's so counterintuitive to this uh, thing that's inside of us that says, I must survive. Um, And yet we find here that the way of Christ seems to be taking on a mindset, I am second. And so why would we do this? Well, we're going to answer that question in three parts. The first part is this. We say, I am second for the sake of love. For the sake of love, does someone say, I am second? Of course, we see this in natural relationships, natural relationships with our spouse, um, relationships with our kids. We have to take an I am second approach for these relationships to work. And it's because of love. John 10, verse 11 through 13, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And here we find Jesus really saying, there's a difference between those who love the sheep and those who merely are around the sheep or maybe have been hired to take care of the sheep because the one who owns them loves them. And it is because of love that they would be willing to lay down their their life for the sheep. They would lay down their life for the sheep. You cannot be first as opposed to second. You can't be first and love. It just does not work. Love has to take a second seat. Um, Love has to view oneself as second for it to be love. They don't go together. First, me first, and love just don't go together. Um, In fact, in John 15, verses 12 and 13, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, Jesus calls us as his people to love in the same manner that Christ loved. Of course, 
How does that look? Well, it looks like dying on a cross is how that looks. Jesus says, I am second as he was on the cross. Even, even while he's hanging on the cross, he looks and he sees the soldiers who whipped him and mocked him and nailed him to the cross. And he said, do not count the sin against him. See, he had this I am second mindset as he's hanging on the cross. And now he says, in the same manner that I have loved you, so you should love one another. You see, if you follow Jesus very far, it will take you to the people that Jesus loves. Let me say that again. If you follow Jesus very far, it's going to take you to the people that Jesus loves. More than likely, it's going to be the hurting, the orphan, the widow, the disenfranchised. Um, it's going to take you to those who cannot take care of themselves because these are the people on Jesus's heart. If you follow Jesus very far, it's more than likely going to take you to your neighbor. And you might be in this habit of just passing right on by your neighbor. But my friends, if you follow, if you follow Jesus very far, he's going to be taking you to the people that he loves. God leads us to those who he loves himself. And, and if you've got this mindset, I am first, you at some point will stop following Jesus because you cannot follow Jesus very far with an I am first mindset because he's going to be taking you in a direction that isn't going to suit that mindset. And so in order to follow Jesus very far, you will indeed take on an I am second mindset for the sake of love. Why else would we um, choose to take on this I am second mindset? It's because for the sake of joy. For the sake of joy? Now, this seems a little bit crazy. Maybe we can kind of put our minds around being second-minded for the sake of love, because it just seems to happen, but for the sake of joy? I mean, it, it seems like that's absolutely contradictory that we would choose to take on an I am second mindset and the outcome would be joy in our lives. Um, I like what Kathy Lee Gifford had to say in, in her I am second video. Why don't you take a look and as you are listening to her testimony, she's going to talk about some, some trials in her life and you're going to find as she is wrapping up her thoughts that the word joy and rejoicing seems to come. I've been in the desert as many times as I've been on a mountaintop. But I've learned my deepest lessons from the deserts, for sure. I was married for a short time uh, when I was quite young. It was a huge mistake. Tremendously unhappy time in my life. and and. I thought I'd never, ever find joy in, in a marriage. I came to New York. While I was in New York, I met a man named Frank Gifford. After a four-year friendship, we fell in love. And from that 29-year-old marriage, I got the two greatest gifts I've ever known in my whole life, my son Cody and my daughter Cassidy. God took something horrible in my life and wove it into something beyond belief beautiful. Other times I was accused of, of, of ugly things that were not true, that I ran sweatshops for God's sake. All I've ever done in my entire life has been an advocate for children. It was a very dark, dark, dark period for me. But you know what happened from that? God put me to work. So what God did was he said, okay, Kathy, it's unjust what you've been accused of. But why don't you get your eyes off you for a minute and look at the unjust 
conditions around the world. Maybe you didn't cause it, but people are doing that to other human beings and you need to care about it. We got laws changed because I stayed in the fight with God's help and he gave me everything I needed to fight that fight. My husband was unfaithful to me during a brief time in our marriage. It was devastating to me, but I was able to stay in my marriage and have God heal it. And as a result, I've heard from hundreds of thousands of people since then who got courage from that courage to forgive their husbands or their wives, courage to, to, to keep their families together. Not everybody does, but I've heard from hundreds of thousands of people through the years who did. On a beautiful Sunday morning, I found my husband passed on to heaven. The look on my husband's face was this. And from that moment on, I had the peace that passes all understanding. He saw Jesus and Jesus took his breath away. My son then came and helped me try to revive him. He had the same peace. We've all had it since. We've had our sad moments of missing him. But you, you don't find somebody under those circumstances and find yourself rejoicing even as you're holding your, your, your dead. That's what they are your dead loved one. I was rejoicing. My tears were tears of joy. And I couldn't bear to think about, oh, I lost, woe is me, I'm a widow. No, I'm so grateful that, that, that Frank is exactly where he's supposed to be. My biggest struggle at this point in my life is loneliness. I've lost my parents, my husband is, is gone now, and my children live far away from me. I still live in the same big house where we made a gazillion million memories. And there are times when I am overwhelmed by loneliness. But I've discovered that if I just keep thinking about what I've lost, I don't pay any attention to what I still have. I don't want to live my life in hopelessness. I've been there. That's a town I've been to, hopelessness. I went to some fundraiser years ago and I felt this tapping on my back and I turned around and it was Paul Newman and he gets down on one knee and he takes my hand in both of his and he kisses it and then he looks up at me with those unbelievable blue eyes and I went, okay, now I can die. And he sort of had a little trouble getting up because he was 80 years old at that point. And he goes, Kathy, I'm 80 some years old and I still have a pulse. And I remember going to sleep that night and saying, you know what, every single day, if I wake up and I have a pulse, I have a purpose. We live in a copycat world. You're supposed to be you, you, uniquely. That's the first letter of unique, you. And that brings a smile to God's face because he didn't make a mistake with you. Life does beat you down. Loss beats you down. Hardship takes its toll. Illness destroys your body. And Jesus said, it's not gonna be easy. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but rejoice, take heart. I have overcome the world. And because I have, I will empower you to overcome your world. My joy is non-negotiable. I tell you, that's the beginning of bliss in life. You understand where your joy comes from, and then you protect it with everything in you. I want to be purposeful. Every day in my life, every moment of it. I'm also getting too old to waste any of it. But all right. <laughs> God is not the enemy of joy. 
He is the creator of joy. We got a lot to rejoice about. You want to fly. You want to soar. You want to dream big dreams and see them come true. You need to partner with the right person. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I am Kathy Lee Gifford, and I am second. So as we follow up this testimony of Kathy Lee Gifford and her really declaration about joy coming out of the trials in her life and really taking on this I am second mindset for the sake of others and that bringing about joy, um, I want to take a look at um, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, many of you might re recall that Hebrews chapter 11 is famously known as the Hall of Faith chapter. And in this Hall of faith chapter, you see different men and women from the Old Testament who are named and listed and given a brief little statement um, about their story and, and this faith that came. And most all of them are laden with trials and difficulties. And it was in those trials and difficulties that their faith emerged and that uh, God's work was accomplished. And I want to read this, the very last part of it. You know, he's mentioned Moses and, uh, you know, Abraham and different guys here. But here there's a list of just those who um, who endured things, but they're not named. So listen, verse 35 says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should uh, not be made perfect apart from us. You see here, we get, he, he's calling us to identify with these who were, you know, in serious trials for the sake of the gospel. Now, let's continue on to the next chapter, because I love the way this reads here. Hebrews 12, verse 1. So the next verse over, it says, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, all these people that we just mentioned, and those who suffered for the sake of the gospel, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's a sentence we're going to come back to here in a moment. Despising the shame and has set down a, uh, at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You see here it says that Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross endured at shame. Somehow we find here that Jesus was able to discover joy 
in the midst of and on the other side of trial, on the other side of crucifixion, on the other side of death. This, pes- this passage is a great transition, the one that I'm about to read to you, between this, this second thought here that joy is an outcome of this mindset of I am second to this next observation as to why a Christian, why a follower of Christ would say, I am second. Listen to this, James 1, 2, and 3, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Why? Because of what this last observation, because... Um, An I am second mindset produces results. An I am second mindset produces results. And James says here, count it joy because the trials that you are about to go through is going to produce in you perseverance. It's going to produce in you results. It's going to produce in you the kinds of stuff that God wants coming out of your life and in the people around you. An I am second mindset mindset we develop for the sake of results. Now, we're going to jump back to Acts 19. And what we find here is some statements about the effectiveness of Paul, how effective his ministry had become because he had developed this I am second mindset. Um, Acts 19, 11 through 15 says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish uh, chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? So here we find that the demons had developed such a respect for Paul's authority, his effectiveness in ministry, his closeness with Jesus, that there was a respect there. There was effective results of ministry. And then these sons of Sceva come along and they're trying to tap into this authority without having the authority. You see, they did not have an I am second mindset like Paul had. Paul had decided he was going to pour out his life for the sake of the gospel. And in so doing, he becomes so close to Christ. He becomes so anointed by God's spirit that even people would come and and take an apron or a cloth and it would touch Paul's body and then it would go a distance to another person and they would lay it on him and that person would be healed. There was such power coming uh, through Paul's life and his ministry and it really was because of this I am second mindset that he had developed. This brings about a community revelation about the difference between spiritualism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Even, you know, it goes on from here that people saw the difference between spiritualism and they go out and they find their magic books and stuff and they bring it out to the center of the square and they start burning the books because they saw that there was a difference between merely being spiritual 
and being close to Jesus. And really the difference comes out of this idea, or this revelation of I am second. I am completely poured out for the sake of Christ. You see, an I am second produces results that cannot be replicated except through God's power. And when we decide in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulties, that we are second, that Jesus is first, watch the miracles that Jesus will produce in your life. I loved Kathy Lee Gifford's statement when she said, I've learned my deepest lessons from the desert. You see, when we are um, experiencing the challenges of life, when we are going through difficulties, that's when we've got this opportunity to take on an I am second mindset. You see, friends, we've been talking about trials for the last five or so weeks, and it's in, in the midst of these trials is when a closeness to Christ is developed, and it is when a love is developed. And my friends, I'd like to declare to you that it is when you will develop a joy. Even when things are so difficult, there is a joy that only comes from Christ. There's a joy that would have Paul in the middle of the barracks completely beaten down and bloodied, and somehow he's able to sing praises to God. You see, that's a joy that doesn't come from the circumstances. It's a joy that comes from knowing Christ. It's a joy that comes from um, realizing that we are right in the center of God's will. It's a joy that only comes from the Spirit of God. And there is a joy that is discovered from a mindset that says, I am second He is first. No matter what I'm going through, it is according to His will. And He will give us all that we need for it, even unto death. Something kept Paul focused on the mission. Something kept him saying, you know what? I'm going to Jerusalem. And from there, I hope to go on from Rome. I don't know what's going to happen, but people keep telling me, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to feel good. It's going to be beat downs. It's going to probably end in death. In fact, I'm probably not going to see any of you guys anymore because my time is coming close. And it is in that I am second mindset that true joy was discovered by Paul. And effectiveness and results, miracles, people coming to Christ. And we are standing here today focused in on who Jesus is largely because of the testimony and ministry of Paul. And uh, I want to follow in his footsteps with this mindset that I am second and Jesus is first. If that's something you want to do today, would you pray with me? Lord, I I pray for everyone listening to, to me, Lord, here today that have looked at your word today and they are hungry to have a greater cause in their life than themselves. Lord, they're hungry to live for something bigger than themselves. And I pray, God, that you would let this I am second mindset um, take over lives, take over hearts. God, that we would decide that you are first and we are second. And that wherever you lead us, to whomever you lead us, Lord, that, uh, that they come first. And Lord, in so doing, results are going to come, joy is going to come, love is going to be present, and God, amazing things will happen. And I pray, God, that you would bless everyone right now who's in the middle of a trial, who is challenged, God, that they would discover an I am second mindset, and Lord, the strength that will come to them as they do. And so, Lord, I pray for them today, and we look forward to the results 
of your work and your ministry um, in us and through us. In Jesus' name, 